0: Welcome to In Season, where we explore the connections between people, plants, land, and wildlife here in the Lower Columbia Pacific region. I'm Teresa Retzloff, and today I am in conversation with my good friend and KMUN News Director Katie Frankowitz. Hello, Teresa. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) It's really great to talk to you, and I'm excited that you were willing to to have this conversation with me, because sometimes I just kind of want to talk about something, but if I'm just talking by myself, I can get off track and then suddenly start you know, waxing poetic about the leaves changing or things like that. And I think that you will help guide this conversation.
1: You definitely missed a, an opportunity to just do different voices and <laughs> pretend to be different people on your well, own show. But I, I'm
0: happy to be here to help. I could have done that, but this is much more, this is much more pleasant. Um, and, and really, partly I wanted to talk with Katie because um, I love her intellect and I love that we can have these conversations about things. Because today I kind of want to talk about a word. And it's a word that I'm hearing a lot, certainly in the the small farm agriculture word. I think you're hearing it out in the community a lot. You're hearing it in the world, in the media, when we're talking about food, we're talking about farming, we're talking about gardening. And that word is regenerative. And that word is being used to describe a lot of things. Regenerative agriculture, regenerative everything. And it can feel a bit like kind of the trendy new word, you know, maybe years ago it was organic and then it was sustainable. Um, and now it's regenerative. And so what does that mean? And what are we talking about? And what do those practices look like? I guess that's what I'm kind of trying to get at. So when you hear the word regenerative, Katie, what do you think?
1: Um, I guess I would think of something that sort of feeds itself maybe. And in, in the context of gardening, I guess my thought would be something that works within maybe the natural systems but that's kind of a loaded phrase, too, right? Natural systems. I, it is. It, especially when we think about what we're planting <laughs> and growing that may not have been here, you know, prior to European expansion into this area. But, yeah, I guess I would, I would think about something that is, is looking, it's like a, like a circle, maybe, something that is a, a complete circle. You're looking at something throughout a lot of phases and, and each thing sort of informs the next thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great way to look at it. And I, it, what regenerative s- seems to encompass a lot of ideas. And, and when we talk about regenerative agriculture, it's not a specific practice. It's more a philosophy that incorporates a lot of different practices that um, someone can do on their farm or in their garden. And I, I, you made a really good point when you kind of questioned the idea of, of natural. And nature and, and this is something that I talk about a lot with with people when they're asking about farming or gardening, and that can be a little counterintuitive, but but farming and gardening are not natural. They're not natural things. That is never how nature would organize itself if just left to its own devices. And so um when we talk about you know farming naturally or gardening naturally, it's still talking about humans kind of imposing what they want out of the landscape, um, however big or small it is. Um, we want to get something out of nature. We want it to look a certain way. We want it to produce certain crops. We want it to you know, behave in a certain way. So we're, we're still trying to be in control of it. But I think as humans have evolved over time and especially maybe in the last 50 years or so of a much more intensive industrial style, both farming and gardening in like America and, and Western countries, I think we're starting to look at, are there different ways of approaching it that maybe are more sustainable and renewable and have less impact, um, especially given the, the, the challenges that we're facing with things like climate change and the impacts that that's having on our systems, both human controlled and truly just nature.
1: So you, you talk about regenerative, regenerative, that's hard to say. It's a tough word. Regenerative. Mm-hmm. Um, And and being more of a philosophy and a set of practices, maybe for listeners, you could give us like a visual. Like, what are some of the practices that we're thinking of when we think about regenerative um, gardening or farming?
0: Well, I think that, you know, what's interesting, um, is a good way to think about it in some ways is to kind of contrast it with the idea of sustainable. Because sustainable farming, sustainable gardening, sustainable lots of systems has been around for a while now. People have been talking like that. And sustainable kind of implies you know, it's something that is able to sustain itself. We're not diminishing something. Um, we're we're helping it kind of replenish itself and, and sustain at a certain level. And so sustainable farming kind of sought to like not do any harm, to not make the system worse, you know, to kind of get it to a certain good point and then sustain that. And where regenerative kind of takes it to a different level is that there is an implication of, of renewal in there, of of regrowth, of improvement. So it's not looking to just sustain things at a certain level, it's looking to actually improve a system and a lot of it is based truly in just the health of the soil. And as we over, I think especially over the last decade, there's been so much research into soil biology, soil health and how that impacts natural systems, whether it's in a forest or on a farm or in a garden. And that a lot of the things that we've been doing for a long time now, have had very detrimental effects on soil health and soil biology. whether it's just you know intensive farming where you're not adding compost, you're not adding biology back into the soil, but just using you know intensive chemical fertilizers to allow you to get more um, production out of the soil without having to add anything back into it. And it you get soil that's very depleted, there's not any um, microorganisms in it, it's, it's kind of dead. And uh, and as long as you keep applying huge amounts of fertilizer and maybe huge amounts of herbicides or pesticides to deal with all the insects that are popping up or diseases that might pop up in those systems that aren't very healthy, um, you can continue to produce lots of food out of it, but it's not sustainable. It's continuing to degrade. And so we're looking to kind of change that and instead build health in the soil and increase that kind of microbiology Um, We're just beginning to understand the amazing amount of microorganisms that live in healthy soil. And I think about it in some ways like there's a lot of talk now about our microbiome in our own bodies is very trendy right now. People are all into it and we're taking probiotics for this and that. Maybe and too many probiotics. Maybe too many. Turns out. But it's uh, you know, it's, it's all about suddenly this like, "Ooh, there's bacteria in our intestinal system." And they and, want
1: carrots. And
0: they want things and we need to feed it and that's how we have healthy bodies, right? Well, it's kind of the same. I mean, it's weird because we are part of nature and nature is us and and this is true also in soil. Soil needs a healthy microbiome too. There needs to be biology organisms insects worms fungi in the soil and they're all doing their own things that we sometimes only barely understand the relationships that they have to one another but what we do understand is when they are all healthy and interacting and doing their thing you tend to have way healthier soil way healthier plants that soil if we're not disturbing it a lot by tilling um, you tend to it, it captures carbon, so it can capture and sequester carbon from the atmosphere, which is great when we're talking about climate change and too much carbon in the atmosphere. And so, so these are practices that can be really great to adapt. And and how do you wade through all of the you know the terminology and the, I mean, to be honest, what feels a lot like greenwashing. Um, to really dig down to it, so there are some basic practices. Um, if you've ever researched at all the concept of permaculture, there are some permaculture elements that are in regenerative agriculture, even just things like like no or low-tilling systems, um, adding compost into your soil, growing cover crops, all of these things that are feeding the soil, adding organic matter back into it, not disturbing it so that you are allowing those soil biology systems to, to develop and then stay stable. As opposed to coming in with your tiller and turning the soil all up like you're Godzilla destroying Tokyo, (laughs) you know.
1: Right. So like leaving, perhaps leaving a lot more. Leaving a lot more. Mm -hmm. Which makes me think, you know, (laughs) just a quick note to listeners, there's a baby in the background (laughs) trying to take a nap. (laughs) I have decided that he's going to take a nap. We'll see. There's a dog snoring nearby, so apologies for any weird it's, audio. It's
0: all part of a sustainable. <laughs> it's all part of a This system. is life and this is systems the compost. and a uh, compost, family compost.
1: <laughs> but it does make me think about, you know, what we expect a growing space to look like and, yeah. and how we track it, you know, for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like are we succeeding in the, in this growing space? And I think for some of us, tidiness is a, a marker to us that we've got it figured out or that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, especially like, you know, I'm very inexperienced as a gardener. And so for me, it's like, okay, like, do I know what I'm growing and is it clear? And have I like weeded properly? All these things that maybe for, if you're thinking in a more regenerative way, your garden isn't maybe as recognizable as a garden sometimes of the year, or, or it just looks different than what we've kind of come to expect it to look like.
0: Yeah, and I think expanding our ideas about what a garden should look like or what a what a good garden should look like, I mean, there's a lot of judgment in there that um, is something that we're imposing on that landscape, and, and good or bad, you know, it's just we've had years and years, decades, generations of people telling us this is what a garden should look like, this is what it shouldn't look like. And I think there is more of a movement now to allow for a more natural unstructured system to be in place in our gardens and to some degree on our farms as well, where we allow leaves to fall and stay on the ground because we recognize that's great habitat for overwintering insects that we need in our gardens to help biodiversity, they help with you know, beneficial insect control of diseases or other insects that we don't want in our garden and you need to have that leaf habitat laying there on the ground if you rake them all up and throw them away you're destroying that habitat you're destroying those insects and we're decreasing biodiversity and so i think uh, there's a, a big movement you hear oftentimes in the fall leave the leaves and that's part of it the leaves are also as they're breaking down they're feeding the soil and there's microorganisms that are in there breaking down the leaves feeding the soil, creating all kinds of biology. And if you, like if you walk into a forest and you see that incredible forest duff, that forest soil that is just years and years and years and years of forest detritus falling on the ground and breaking down. And there's amazing biology in there. And that's because no one's coming in and raking it up and throwing it, you know, away or putting it in their green bin at the best, you know, or just throwing it in the trash or You know, so when we're trying to mimic that in our gardens and on our farms more now, where it's like, how do we bring things together and mulch and let the ground rest and let those systems take take place? And, you know, some people have a problem with that because they don't want to have leaves all over their lawn because that's going to maybe destroy their lawn. But then, okay, are there places where you could maybe rake those leaves up off your lawn, but then put them in a pile over here and let them sit and don't disturb that? that's maybe a way of incorporating it into your ground. If you're cutting things back in the fall, maybe don't just throw all that debris away, but put it at the back of your garden beds or find a place where you can put all those sticks and twigs, again, to make habitat, to let that break down slowly over time so that it's not just, you're recognizing that someone in your garden is making use of that. It may not be you but someone is and you know in some ways getting out of the way like that arrogance that we have of like we are in control of everything and should be and and having respect for natural systems that they actually know what they're doing a lot more and sometimes we make the problem by trying to get in there and micromanage it
1: I'm getting a little hung up by the idea of natural systems, though, because, yeah, for example, um, what am I natural growing? Natural right... is a tricky What word, am I man. growing <laughs> right now? You know, I have um, some calendula that's going. I have some serengeti that's going. I'm sure none of these things were here, you no. know, but they're going, and I'm letting them go because they're really pretty, and they're the only thing that's like yeah. really going right now because I haven't gotten around to sowing winter crops. So I guess when we're thinking about um, what we're allowing to break down and where we're putting it, should we be also thinking about what those plants are and and are there some things that maybe are i i know it gets kind of tricky to get into the particulars of plants but but when we are thinking about these gardens where we're growing crops that like are we thinking about a different kind of natural system we're thinking about sort of a specific like a created natural system with
0: plants that we've placed there absolutely i mean and that that is part of it you know i mean again we go back to that thing about gardens are not natural they are something that we are constructing because it pleases us we like these plants we want them growing near us maybe they're useful to us maybe it's an herb or an edible plant or something that's beautiful that we like to cut and make a bouquet and bring into our house that's totally fine I mean I'm not a purist in the sense that I feel like everyone's gardens should only have you know indigenous plants and that's it and I think that's unrealistic to ask of people If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Katie Frankowitz, and um, news director today, and we're talking about the concept of regenerative agriculture, regenerative gardening, and what does it mean to, to have, like, be natural, have natural systems in our gardens. And there are a lot of things that we can do. I mean, the main thing I would say is I don't think there's any plant that it's not okay to, in a sense, compost or mulch within your garden unless it's something that is invasive. So if it's a, a really invasive plant or a plant that recedes just obnoxiously and you don't want that to happen in your garden or, um, you know, something like mint or morning glory or, you know, blackberry or one of those like runner plants that can, if you just chop a little bit of it up and it's dropped on the ground, it can regrow from there. So in some ways you're creating more of a problem by trying to mulch with some of those plants. So it's know your plant. Or if it's a plant that's diseased or not healthy. So if it's, a, if it's a squash plant, it's the end of the season and it's covered with powdery mildew. Don't mulch with that. You know, put that in your green bin. You know, for me on the farm, I put that someplace where I'm gonna cover it with a black tarp so that hopefully that powdery mildew doesn't, doesn't spread. And I have some areas on the farm where it's like, that's where those plants go and they're just gonna sit there for years and years. And I'll just gradually keep adding to them and hopefully that stuff won't vector out um, some people burn that stuff, but then that has its own issues. Um, so I think that, that, looking at all of your other plant material is like potentially compost, potentially mulch, and so you can chop it up into small bits and drop it on the soil. And you know you can make it attractive. You know I'm doing that right now on my farm. I'm clearing a lot of beds out. You know all my dahlias have just died. There's been a hard frost, and they're black. And I'm cutting them back because I'm going to dig my dahlias and wash and divide my tubers. But I'm looking at all that plant material that's just like dead dahlias and they were healthy. So I'm just chopping that up and using that to mulch certain beds where I didn't get a cover crop on. And I wanna protect the soil over the winter. Our rainfall here can usually be pretty impactful on the soil, it can create compaction, it can wash the soil away because we just get so much of it in the winter. And so keeping your soil covered over the winter months is a really positive thing to do. And that could be, you could pile leaves all over your garden. If you have a deciduous tree in your yard, you know, I always like to try and leave at least a ring of leaves around the base of that tree to feed that tree and to provide habitat for the insects that are there. But maybe if you have an excess or they're out on the sidewalk or in the street or running down the gutters, like scrape them up and use those to mulch your garden. Um, If they're healthy, again, and that's great that's great compost, you know, that we often just end up throwing away.
1: It makes me think too of this little front area. So my house has these kind of random retaining wall sections mm-hmm. and I've turned those into garden sections cause that's the space that I have. And there's this one front section that we just started. I don't want to say the wrong foot on, but <laughs> we, we made a decision yeah, in terms of what we put there first and it has basically guided every decision since. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, because I have children and decided to have a second child, you know, it's just an area that is harder to work in, and I haven't like just gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm just thinking, I'm just going to let the weeds that are growing there continue <laughs> for the winter, and I'm going to
0: feel great about that because it's don't. regenerative. Well, it's, I mean, you, this is the thing. I mean, there are absolutely times where if I, if it's just the season's gone too far, and I haven't gotten to a bed, I meant to get it cleared, I meant to get cover crop on it, but I didn't. I meant to get comp, you know, like mulch, compost, whatever on it, and I didn't, but there's weeds growing on it. You know what? Weeds can be a great ground cover. You know, they're kind of like like your second team junior varsity cover crop. You know, they're not doing the same thing as cover crop by potentially like, you know, c- capturing uh, nitrogen and, and bringing that into the soil, or you're not maybe getting as much stuff. And some of those things you don't necessarily want to incorporate back into your soil, but if you can catch them before they go to seed, you know so with a bunch of annual things or even biennials like a dandelion if you can catch them before they go to seed and just create more of themselves to just perpetuate the problem that that can be a great way of holding the soil through the winter and those roots and those green leaves can also protect the soil just as much as if it was an intentional cover crop and so i you know i don't sneer at weedy Gardens and I mean I used to be such a garden snob and I'm kind of I want to go back and give myself a talking to my younger self And be like just just knock it off because it really doesn't matter It really doesn't matter um, as long as we're protecting the soil Keeping it you know keeping some organic matter on there and thinking about Okay in natural systems you very rarely have just bare exposed soil Usually nature wants to drop something on it and have it start breaking down and and so if we can think about it in those terms we're we're taking steps towards being more regenerative in our gardens and it's i think it's you know i have i have problems with that word in some ways just because i feel like it is just kind of a trendy word and then you know a few years from now there'll be some other trendy word that we use to describe what we're trying to do which is just not mess things up any more than we are it's it's t- understanding we've taken some lessons that you know, industrial agricultural practices, industrial gardening, you know, using a lot of chemicals to try and control the environment and try and make it this very tidy, micromanaged thing, that that's not healthy. That's not healthy for our systems. It's not healthy for our um, biodiversity. It's not healthy for plants. It's not healthy for people. And so we're trying to reverse that and um, and to renew, to do some renewal and, you uh, We're both laughing, I'm sorry, because we have uh, young Milo uh, here um, having opinions about things with his building blocks. And, you know, it's, I I look at kids too, and like kids are regenerative, kids are renewal, kids are a new generation. And, And I think part of why we're doing this is because there are new generations coming along that need to have a planet that's livable. You know, that need to have systems that still function where you want there to still be insects and birds and plants and animals around for them to enjoy. And I think that's part of the impetus behind a lot of this is understanding, like, there are better ways that we can do things. And in some ways, for me, the, the, the positive is it's, it, it's kind of less work.
1: Well, so this is
0: because for me, I'm like I'm not I'm not like getting my tiller out and tilling all my beds all the time. It's like yeah, I mean, there's still work, but it's not as much as it used to be.
1: Well, and so there's a couple of things that I'm thinking, and I'm going to try to pull them together. And Milo really needs to stop slamming that box, but I did give it to him, so that's on me. Um, just the the bristling kind of feeling that you have at, at the word regenerative, and kind of the jargon in general that surrounds not just this idea and set of practices, but You know the sets of practices themselves where it can feel kind of dogmatic and feel judgy it can feel like a lot of homework that you have to like go through before you can say i'm practicing regenerative farming because now i know all about like i know the ins and outs of soil building and you know all this stuff that can really feel like a barrier to people who just want to grow things and grow them well and like yes you need knowledge and you need to invest in that knowledge But it does make me think that if you take aside like the jargoniness maybe, or the trendiness, there is an aspect of it that, yeah, like you're just, you can relax a little bit around, like you're not worrying about your garden looking perfect in the way that we tend to think of things needing to look perfect when we grow. We're not, we're reusing the stuff that we're clipping. Like it it seems like beyond just like being maybe better for what we're trying to do, which is grow things and grow things well, it's also, like a nice psychic break. Have you felt that your attitude towards growing has changed as you've thought about this philosophy and these concepts?
0: It really has because I, I, it doesn't bother me so much if I look at parts of my farm and there's a bit of a mess over there or there's some chaos over here, or I mean, I look at that and I'm like, well, you know, it's good habitat for beneficial insects. And there's birds living in those blackberry bushes over there and yeah, maybe I'll get to them someday. But, you know, part of me is thinking like, ooh, but that's really good habitat. What am I going to replace that with? You know, I, I don't worry so much when I see certain weeds popping up. I'm not obsessed with like my garden has to, or my farm has to look so perfect. It looks great. You know, it looks just fine. And it looks just fine with there being a lot of chaos and things happening that I didn't necessarily want to have happen over there, but that's okay. And yeah, so I think there has been a bit of a mental break where... I don't worry so much about appearance as long as it's and and in as I've shifted to doing more what I would call regenerative practices, you know, like not tilling as much, working my soil more loosely, growing more cover crop, mulching more thickly and really trying to think about my soil microbiology and, and improve that. I do see plants responding better. I do see them growing better. I do get better production. I do get better yield. And so I'm seeing the benefits of it. I also am seeing like by allowing so much space for for insect habitat, I'm not having a lot of the pest problems that I've had in years past because I think that the insects are kind of fighting it out on a, on a level that I'm not seeing but there's enough action going on where you know good insects or good birds are coming in and eating the ones that I don't want. And there's still some. But it's not like what it was when we first started farming on that land and had really just completely disturbed the system, like thrown it all up in the air, put everything into rows, got rid of all the pasture grass and started growing things. We were dealing with all kinds of insect pressures and all kinds of diseases and things until... You know, it's like the system kind of worked itself out and now there is more balance there. And sometimes things get off balance and we have a drought year and that throws things into disarray or we have an excessively cold or wet year. But I think that, you know, when we try to look at look at ourselves as more like a steward of this land or a partner in it, and whether this is your garden or, you know, the, the pots that you're growing on the balcony of your apartment or you know your home garden a farm you know a park you help take care of whatever it is it's like we're not here to dominate nature i'm i'm not here i don't look at nature as something i'm trying to dominate and control i look at it as something i'm trying to work with and so when you're trying to work with something you're trying to respect its its patterns and beliefs and behaviors as much as i want it to respect me and i feel like we're coming to we're coming to an understanding and a common ground in the middle, so regenerative practices to me mean that it, I mean, I still feel like I'm working all the time, so it's not necessarily like less work, but it's different work.
1: And it seems like something, I mean, I feel like one of the rewards of gardening, I don't know, as you know, farming, I don't have that experience there, but with gardening, sorry he is so loud. That was the wrong <laughs> toy to give you. Uh, it, you know. You are rewarded by paying attention, yes, you know, and and this seems like one where even more so, like, yeah, that if you can just sort of let go of some preconceived ideas and just kind of just do this pure attention to absolutely. what's happening, like, it could be
0: really, really rewarding, absolutely. And I feel like it it can take so much stress out of gardening. I mean, gardening should be joyful. It should be fun. It should be like something that you do for pleasure you know and I think so many people it like it's this well I know (laughs) but it's but it's also something people look at it like a chore oh I've got to go do these things oh it's this Oh, oh the weeds oh the things and um instead I feel like if we just like take take like give yourself time to just take a cup of tea cup of coffee out walk around your garden and just observe and look at things and don't feel like you have to pull weeds or do anything but just like watch it, check in with it, enjoy it, take time to to be in it in all of the seasons and all of the transitions and see what's happening, see what seems to want to grow there. Maybe what doesn't seem to want to grow, stop fighting with that, maybe let it go. Introduce something else and just uh, like allow it to be, to rest more and it allows you to rest more too and just hopefully enjoy it more and get better results and have a healthier overall garden so it's it's interesting I feel like this is probably just going to keep coming around there's going to continue to be words and trends and things but I do encourage people to, to look into this and think about it maybe read about it a little bit and take the parts of it that work for you and think about how to make your garden more regenerative in the future um we're out of time and uh it's been a great conversation this is exactly what i hoped even milo in the background playing with blocks together i thank everyone for their patience um with this unusual program um where we are incorporating the next generation and their opinions on things um into this talk and i think that's actually really appropriate because this is about future generations and uh that's why we're doing this. So, thanks for joining me, Katie. Thanks, Teresa. Thanks, Myler. My thanks, Sadie the dog. Thanks, everyone. And thanks to all of you for listening. It's been great.